Ah, there we go. All right. Let's get this started, shall we? Greetings, fellow Empyreans. I am Ashrathi, and this is the Friday show of Talking in Stations. Ah, I am All right. already trying to, uh, you know, this is my first time as the main host. Please, please be patient. We're still trying to get, make sure that everything's right. Uh, be gentle, be gentle. It's not like I'm like a Twitch streamer by trade or anything, you know, whatever. But either way, here we are. It's the end of the week. We're excited, and we have this really cool guest to talk to, and some news to get to but first let's talk about who we got we of course have rundle here how you doing rundle great uh, hello fellow new eden pilots friday indeed it is nick bison csm 16 vote soon vote often <laughs> that, but vote once voter fraud is not a voter fraud is a crime no uh anyway so vote once per alt that's what's important no and also, uh, we have Gory Xander, who you may not have ever heard of before, because he's kind of a new guy, and that's kind of the point. How you doing, man? I'm fantastic. Awesome. Well, we have plenty to talk about with you. Uh, let's go ahead and jump first into the news of the day. And first and foremost, I wanted to talk about the Euro Show. Not just because this is apparently also the Euro Show now, uh, if you're not watching live, you may not get that joke, but, uh, I wanted to, I got to catch it today. Um, they actually have it on Tuesdays and Fridays, the same days as my show. And today they were talking about, uh, you know, like the new shooter from CCP player retention, which is going to be a lot of what we're talking about today with new players, uh, and a lot of interesting stuff with it security. So that show, which again is like, uh, Tuesdays and Fridays in a more EU friendly time. Um, is more is an Eve Online show that has more of a general technology bent uh, that often has relates to either Eve Online or Eve Online players. So it's a pretty cool uh, show to check out. In addition to that, um, CCP also did a show today. I think it was today, and has been doing a couple of shows this week. But this week they revealed that their new skin, the Galnet skin is uh was it has been given away as part of these ccp streams uh there is precedent for this the old um uh the original what was going to be the crimson harvest skin but the black not the black iron but the uh the the red those dark red skins i can't remember what they actually ended up being renamed as but either way those skins were mostly only given out as like rewards for people that happen to be watching alliance tournament that year or whatever um and that makes them extremely valuable the one of the most recent skins like that that we've gotten was the scope syndication skins that were have now been being given out to streamers as part of the partnership program or other shows or you know websites or services eve related in order to allow them to give away to their followers monetize how they want to whatever it's just part of the partnership program but these galnet skins are new and this is the first time that they started revealing it and a lot of people are unhappy with the fact that these are going these appear to be going to be super rare skins um how do you guys feel about these kind of this kind of stuff well for me first they actually look really kind of neat and you know i think if I, I, you know i'm not a big skin uh hoarder anyways uh if what i'm unclear on maybe you can clear this up my opinion will change is this a skin that they you get and now it's tradable and sellable or is it one of these once you redeem it or you're given it it somehow auto uh, redeems itself and you you just kind of get the skin on your account how are they delivering the skin 
So I, like, I mean, I haven't looked into this exact one specifically, but if it's like every single other one that they've ever done, what it is is that they give you a code, and then you redeem that code, and then it becomes a skin in your, in your thing. That could theoretically be applied, but let's actually check. Okay, so, uh, uh, yeah, so I can kind of, while you're checking on that, I can, uh, you know, if it's a skin that drops, now you have an item in uh, your, your inventory, and you can go and sell it, I'm less excited about that. I think it makes it, um, I don't know, a little less important or, you know, like if you're going to give something like that away and you want it to be a very kind of branded item from CCP, because it looks actually really nice. It seems to have the CCP, the CCP TV logo on it. Tongue twister there. Say that five times fast. Um, you, you know, and, and you're on a stream and you happen to win or you're doing something and you, you get a reward or what, whatever the mechanism is that you end up getting this. If, if it's something you just kind of sell and take the money and run, eh, to me, that makes it a little less special. I would prefer if they made you auto redeem it and now you have to, you know, you have it for a ship. Now, I also understand the challenge that if it redeems it for an Osprey and you're not a Caldari pilot, then, well, shit, what the hell are you going to do with it? I get that, too. So, um, yeah. So, so to speak to what you're talking about, so when an item is only receivable through redemption, like, for instance, or like, <clears throat> if it auto applies in that case, like, for instance, for the last several events, uh, there's been skins that are, you don't get the skin to sell. You just, it's now on your thing. And, but what that means is, is that the act of having that skin now means something. And I think that that's what you're looking for is that like, uh, it, you know, I have, for instance, the Icky Tursa, uh, casino skin because I went to E Vegas and that's why I applied it. And when I use it, I use that skin almost always. Is it, do I like it? Yes. I think it's a wonderful skin. I think it's pretty. And I think that has, the Akitra says other skins, and I even own them all. But I almost always go with the casino, uh, casino skin because it means something to me. And the fact that anyone else could have just bought it off the market means that I'm not sending the message that I want to be sending with that, with that right? Like Precisely. If, if the only way to have gotten it was to have gone to that event, then just showing the skin would mean that about me. Just like uh, the proving con the proving gown skins are bind on account because that way if you see a glorified kybernaut skin you know that that guy got did well in the abyssing proving proving conduit they wanted that to have meaning mm -hmm. the problem here I is agree. is that a twitch giveaway is supposed to just like you don't know the context in which the person's going to be getting it so really in a lot of ways a twitch giveaway is just giving somebody a giant pile of isk or money or whatever just in a fancy package so I, I get why this would be uh, non-redeemable that way, um, because it's more like this isn't this, this is an opportunity for you to be like, hey, guys, I'm showing you this skin to show you that I was super lucky this one day in April 2001. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right. No, I just I want won, I want two I billion something. isk, man. Like, yeah, let me, let me sell too. it off. So real quick then, Gory, you know, you're fairly new. We'll get to all your details, but just on a topic like this, like how do, how do skins impact or how do you see skins as a brand new player? Uh, I, I mean, a lot of times I just see the skins and I'm fascinated by just the amount of variation that you can kind of do to your ship. But beyond that, um, I don't know, skins add DPS, right? So that's kind of what I go for. Skins do nothing. 
Ten percent cooler. Yeah, no, you are ten yeah. percent faster and more DPS and tank with the skin. It's, it's proven science. Absolutely proven science. Okay. So uh, there's no. a straight up lie. Uh, but <laughs> it it does belial a point though. Like, first of all, are you a skin guy at all? Like, have you even thought about it or looked into skins at all? Um, I've always like I don't know. I've always liked uh, the customization aspect of skins in really any game. So I thought that that uh doing or getting into skins in this game would be cool just so i can kind of stand out above the rest as for getting an exclusive skin i feel like that as you said it does kind of mean a bit more that someone looks at you and they're like wow that guy did that thing or um you just you know yourself even like i got to do this awesome thing this ship skin is a reminder that that's how i got it right exactly so so that actually brings up an interesting question about all this which is the primary complaint about that, that's kind of coming out of this or that i've seen about this which is that there's a lot of inconsistency of the value of a skin versus the cost of a skin right like there are plenty of skins that are very plain jane but are worth a ton of isk just because they were so rare or they were released a while ago or whatever i personally like the fact that each skin kind of has a story but at the same time there's no way for a person who doesn't already know the story to recreate the story besides like asking me because like who else is paying attention to the origin of every, every single skin as they're being released. Right. Like, so I feel like there's a lot of texture to skins that get lost and then new players go and experience it. And what they experience is, Oh, cool. I'm going to go through the process of selecting what skin I want. Oh, this one seems like a pretty simple one. Why is this really simple skin three billion isk? This is stupid. Have yep. you have you encountered that at all? Uh, I absolutely have. I was actually looking at skins. Um, I want to say in yesterday's stream, and it was uh, I was dumbfounded to see that there was like a twenty billion skin uh, for uh, the Hela that I was flying, and I was just so confused as to why it was. Because honestly, I didn't I didn't even like the skin, <laughs> which feels bad. But right, yeah, it was overly priced and that's because the price of it is often way more about how it was distributed than about how much demand there is for it or whatever yeah i when it comes to skins i always like to say you know the first one's okay the second one's okay the third one's okay but you know that next one is the most important one well either way it appears as if if you're interested in getting these galnet skins you should definitely go and follow ccp and check out their streams when they go live they've been doing a lot and they're obviously trying to promote this so hopefully what they'll do is their instinct should be to give away more of them. So that way you don't have to be on the stream and lucky, but just, you know, anybody who's almost anybody who's participating on the stream at any given time might have a pretty reasonable chance of getting them. So that way you don't feel like you can't get them without becoming, being like super yeah. lucky or I, whatever. I can't believe the audience. No one bid on my joke. That's, un, that's just, I'm, <laughs> I'm sad now that no one went for the joke. That's all right. We'll right. move on. Yep. Uh, all right. So uh, we have uh, a shout out that I'm going to read just because I don't really fully understand it. And this is what I do when I don't fully understand things. I just read it word for word. After a 10-year hiatus, Huzzah Federation, a PvP alliance that used to live in Syndicate Nullsec, is back and looking to welcome any old Huzzah Federation corpse or capsuleers back into the family. Contact the Alli- Alliance or Viperus directly in-game. I have been assured that that is not an ad. It is news, so we're going to just go with that. Now, do you have anything? Do you, have you 
figured out anything about this yet besides that? No, not yet. No, no other feedback. I, I reached out to some of the, the people to try to say, like, is there is the significance because Huzzah was, you know, right. like like a big faction group or, you know, they, they were significant uh, area. I recognize the name, like, I you know, from back when I, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't that long ago, Syndicate. Uh, but I don't understand um, other than, oh, I recognize the name. But, hey, you know, shout out. Welcome back. Um, you know, I could say the same with AAA. We did the same with AAA. Uh, you know, they took some solve. They kind of returned out of nowhere and seems to be pushing back. So it's nice to see the old names come back. Um, so, you know, shout out to Huzzah and AAA and anyone else who's making a resurgence back into the game. Lots of opportunity, as we know, in various locations in NullSec. Lots of turmoil, lots of change. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I want to recover my old alliance, maybe now's a good time. I don't know. Yeah, Huzzah Federation. Um, I... I actually, you're right. I just, I just fully processed what even this is saying. So what this, so after 10 years of hiatus, and that's actually really interesting because as much as we talk about doom and gloom about Eve, we see a lot of people who have quit the game in the last decade deciding that now is the time to come back as if there was something that made them not want to play before that they feel is better now. And that might be worth noting too. So we, as we talk about all these alliances, like, or CCP's decisions killing off an alliance or something like that. Uh, let's remember that we actually have people rebuilding the old ones as well, which is pretty cool. Anywho, uh, okay, so the next other like bigger topic for tonight is uh, there is a bit of a consternation going on in Providence, and so when we last were, you know, last week I think it was there was that big event in Amamaki. Uh, Right? Amamaki yeah. or Secede one Amamaki, I think. Yeah, not yeah. Secede. Secede was there was something that happened to Secede last four or five days as well, but uh Amamaki is the one I think you're referencing. Yeah. So the point is is that um, you know, Wrecking Crew and Dreadbomb attempted to attack uh a Deep Star. And yes. rather than that going totally normal as a normal shield timer was, uh the trap was sprung and they got bloodied pretty bad. Right, so that's that was that's what happened last week. So now the new accusation is that there's a bit of a scheme going on um, in Providence. So Providence had some of the most structures during the outpost over you know changeover, and famously, actually, right before the changeover happened, tests swooped swooped through and took it, and therefore held the vast majority of these incredibly valuable, rare, uh, impossible to get otherwise Fortizars. And, you know, they've moved some away, they've sold them and all those sorts of stuff. But, um, and even beyond that, more structures have been built out in, uh, in Providence. And Providence in general has this uh, not red, don't shoot philosophy that the people that live there often try to adhere to on one level or another, right? It's always kind yeah. of that... that that region that anybody could go into. Not well, in just, the past, anyways, right? So right. not not so much now under under the group, right? But but it. but there still were the the concept was somewhat preserved in the fact that there's all of these free ported Fortizars right. and other structures. Right. So that way, it, it, people who want to live in Providence but not be part of a large organization to do so can still do so. Well, here's the problem. Uh, they change the structure mechanics such that if a structure goes into low power for more than seven days, it goes into an abandoned state, which means if it gets destroyed, 
asset safety doesn't go to the nearest station, it actually just drops it directly on grid. And so people, terrible people like myself, have been running around in high sec, and if anybody let their structures go abandoned, we take their stuff. And that's cool, right? That, that's a way, and I can justify that because it went abandoned. Someone will come and to kill it like within the next hour and then take it. So it might as well be me. Um, but what we're seeing here is a tactic that I always suspected that we would start to see. But now that we've started to see it, I'm actually more interested in the player's reaction to it. So the, the scheme is, is that RC and them purchased or coerced, somehow acquired these Fortizars from Vili. And now that they have them, they have pulled the fuel with no warning or no notice in order to make their own, their own structure go abandoned. So that way they can loot the stuff from all of the people who have left stuff in there, but like they're AFK at the moment or whatever, because it's a free port. So for years, people have been building stuff up in there and they're going to be able to get all of it. Um, and this is, you know, this is a mechanic that, that the abandonment structures system has absolutely provided for from the beginning. In fact, I was, I was suspe suspecting that at some point we might see NullSec groups like choke out a region enough to force structures to go abandoned just so that they could loot them. But there's a lot of problems with that, with the fact that you can loot, basically fuel it indefinitely. So it's harder to siege in that way. But in this case, if you already own the structure, you can pull the fuel whenever you want. Just yank it out of there. Yeah, for reference, for those people who don't know who Vili is, Vili is uh, basically the, the head of test and one of the big blocks in Nolsec, uh, part of Legacy, part of Pam Pam, and right. on the, the, the other side of the war. Um, and so there's a whole lot of space in the south, and, um, and Providence, Provi, Providence is in the southern area as well. So just for some context. Right. And so because of who's involved, there's obviously all of these interesting accusations about the fact that like it's about raising money or like, oh, you know, Vili needs money for the, you know, that's why they, he was able to be forced to do that or, you know, convinced to do this or, you know, RC is only doing this because they lost so poorly to snuff. And so now they have to raise more money to be able to keep fighting, whatever. I don't care about that. What I'm interested actually in is um, people's response to this because uh, this behavior is being framed and kind of agreed on collectively as being just as bad as any of the terrible things that we like that we think of as being terrible like comparing this to being just like snuff right like and so i find it very interesting how defensive the player base is to people who are away from the game especially when it comes to player structures in essence, stealing from uh, players who are taking a sabbatical or, or aren't able to play on a regular basis. So clearly, there's going to be a large number of those. Um, and so they're not in a defendable state. I think that's the crux of why people are kind of up in arms. You're, you're you know, picking on people who can't defend themselves in this context. Hey, hey Skyhawk, if you want to give me your version of it, I would love to uh, know that. I literally only know. You're, you are correct. So Skyhawk in the chat is saying, I love you, man, and what you do. This is not at all an accurate description of what happened at all. You guys are only repeating what stuff, stuff and so, what other people have been spinning. And I just want to directly address that and say, uh, first of all, I appreciate being called out that way, honestly, um, because I, accuracy is very important. But the other piece to this is that uh, there's almost no way to cover these kinds of events without having that kind of reaction being triggered. So all I can do is say, 
if there's another way of looking at it, please let me know, and I'll be willing to give that coverage as well. Um, so the reactions, you know, so the, the audience are having kind of both sides, right? One, uh, hey, it's you know, the news is inaccurate is one valid response, right? Uh, another one is, hey, look, it's uh, uh, Griff says, you know, it's a pretty shitty thing way to do business, and people remember. And in true, there's true fashion, e-fashion, people do remember. There are very long memories in, in this game. Right. So, and this is something I've definitely argued with people about more than almost anything else, because yep. from my experience, and this is just from my memory, because I was there at E Vegas when Citadels was announced and like had conversations with CCP Fozzy that day because of my concerns about it and other people's, and, you know, I remember what was being talked about during that time. And like the idea that CCP was tempting people to like, or convincing people that it, if you bring put stuff in a player structure, it's going to be safe no matter what all the time. I never got that impression. And it was weird to me because like I always felt it as everyone knew that asset safety was more or less a violation and that like there's always calls for it to be ended. And then as soon as the the process of doing that started, that's when this big defensive uh or this big concern for players that are AFK started to come into play and the reason why i'm trying to figure this out is because like i don't want to just be like er snidely whiplash justifying the bad guy stuff if this is truly something that the entire zeitgeist like i guess my question the, what i said before the show is like what surprises me isn't that this is happening it's that this is the thing that suddenly we have space bushido over right like right. suddenly we care about whether or not somebody is a nasty because they took something from somebody who quit the game. When normally, when somebody quits the game, you literally say, can I have your stuff? So I'm not saying that the reaction that the player base is giving is wrong either. I'm just saying, like, this is probably why CCP is kind of blindsided by this reaction. Because for years, the player base gave basically the exact opposite uh, feedback about the matter. Yep. Well, and uh, lots of interesting stuff. I uh genghis his mr munchen uh, okay maybe name something like that anyways gang has uh got a really good point i think hey look before even stations uh, or your citadels came along man if you were in a station and uh you, your stuff could be locked in a station because you were hell camped and there's no way to get it out or it just you know you had something in an npc station deep in in Nullsec somewhere and somehow you got your clone killed or you went on vacation for two months and the whole political arena around you changed and you're like, shit, now I can't get that. I can't get anywhere near there um, right. to get any of my stuff out. I might get an interceptor or maybe I might get one ship out, but like, yeah. So, you know, on, on the other hand, this is Eve and don't leave your shit laying around. Yeah. And I guess I, I would have expected the player base... Like, I get the fact that it was a surprise that now things are no longer safe in structures indefinitely. But the fact that the player base seems to continue to hold to, on to the idea that it should, that, that people that are AFK should somehow be protected even if they don't take any precautions to make themselves prepared or anything like that. And I suspect that part of this is because we can all see ourselves in that, right? Everybody has to go AFK sometimes. And so it's easy to kind of see yourself in that scenario. And so it's easy to say like, Hey, wait a minute, that's not fair. As opposed to in other situations where like you're a ganker and you gank a high secker and he complains because high sec isn't safe enough. And so quit and you go HTFU, yep. you don't see yourself in their 
place in the same way that you can see yourself in the place of somebody who went AFK and then their structure got ripped apart. For sure. So I think the audience is kind of zeroing in, I think, on what is driving the, the, core, the core response, right? That deep response is this idea of fairness and the idea of safety, right? And, and in EVE, you know, one of the first things you learn in EVE is nothing is safe. Nothing, you know, nothing really is concrete. And when you lose it, it can be gone. And no matter what you put nowhere, anywhere, other, you know, it, you could lose it other than putting it in a high sec system in a station. Uh, that's about the, the only level of safety you get. Right. Um, and, and you could still lose it on the market or if you do something by trying to transport it. The moment you take it out of there, you're, you're in deep shit. So this, this idea of fairness, which Eve has kind of always walked the fine line, uh, uh, the fairness fine line. What is truly considered fair and what is considered safe? I think that's the real, you know, consternation of, of the opinions on either side. Right. And I guess my final thought on this matter is that regardless of what we believe about it, um, it's important to keep in mind what we know that CCP thinks about it. And CCP Hilmar has been very clear that he feels that any asset safety whatsoever, and in fact, the non-destructibility of MPC structures, he refers to that as a violation. So if he got his way, you would get a patch note that someday that says that MPC structures are also going to be destroyed. And so your stuff may not necessarily even be safe there ever. So I guess if, if anyone has ever led to you to believe that like don't undock what you're not afraid to lose also means that if you don't undock, it's safe. Uh, that is a temporary condition. Everything in EVE is ephemeral. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. We got, so we wound up a few people in the audience. That's good. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so... I do want to uh, circle back on uh, what Skyhawk said. Um, sure. He said, so with it turning into a big source of drama, the owners were directed to no longer have it be a free port. A dread, a dread bomb member offered to buy it as the owner no longer wanted it to own it, but it wasn't going to be a free port. Uh, that new purchaser who gave, then gave the entirety of RC a ping with a warning to move their stuff out. I think that's the end of his story. So yeah, so... And that, that's very, very possible, right? Like, somebody could have seen... Because even the accusations on Reddit was more like, I've seen this thing! It's a plot! I'm revealing it! So, like, it could be somebody trying to make it seem more untoward than it was. Although, we'll just know... I mean, like, the proof is in the pudding. Either the structure goes abandoned and they smash it or not. Uh, my point was more about how the player base feels about the relationship of abandoned structures and the opinion that... Having his free port out there as like a honeypot in order to make it go abandoned and then destroy it so that, that way you could harvest the people, the stuff that people left in there thinking it was an okay place to put it. That feels like just as valid of an Eve thing as somebody who puts a courier contract to a, uh, to a structure knowing that they can shut it off or, or knowing that they can kill you on the way there or something like that. You know, like, and that's. I guess that's the part that surprised me was because I had actually considered this several times. Where it's like, oh man, we should drop a free part port in like areas, main mission hubs, and other stuff like that, and just let it be there and like offer it as a service for like a year or two, and then one day, just without any warning, pull the fuel and hit it. And but the, part of that's because of, I've seen how lucrative uh, knocking over abandoned structures can be. But I would have always considered that to be a clever tactic, and yet the word I've heard is evil. Like that mm -hmm. is that makes me the same as snuff that I even think that that's funny. 
And that's the part that I find more interesting than whether or not RC is really doing it. Yeah, it, it's a, there's a comment just now. It is, it is a form of AWOXing in a way, right? And AWOXing in general is a looked down upon activity. Uh, AWOXing, for those people who don't know, is the is the process of attacking and killing and destroying um, the assets of a friend, usually a ship or a player that's blue to you, or sometimes in fleet, but generally blue, right? A corp mate or someone. Right. Just because he pissed you off, or you or you're just, a traitor, uh, some, or you're a traitor, or whatever, right? So it's tend to be looked down. Um, yeah. So I think, anyways, before we move on, uh, I think you know this is a good thing to maybe continue the discussion over on the Talking Stations Discord. I'm going to post the link for that. Um, I think because there's lots of opportunity, and maybe the listeners can get a few of their thoughts together, and then come type out some stuff. And Ash, you can then take some more time to go really work through the feelings with some people. Uh, sure. I know you, you, I think that's maybe a great place to do that. Um, and, unless you have some more to talk about on this. Yeah. D- don't get me wrong. When I said this extreme position, I, I, I say it because I want somebody to debate it with me. Like if you have a sound counterpoint, I'd love to hear it. And that's one of the great things about talking stations. So both just like how, you know, we live, read out the uh the other side of the, the narrative or whatever like the whole point here is that like we want to make this a place where people share ideas so please by all means if you've got an idea that you want to share hop on into the uh, tis discord and uh begin sharing it all right let's see any other news before we jump into the interview we have um oh a couple quick items maybe things blowing up uh there's a big fight in fail bolus Gonna, yeah, looks like uh, yeah, looks like the uh, Army of Mango, Legion of Excess Death, uh, Nvidia Glory, Evictus Razor, uh, they um, kind of counterattacked, uh, rose up, uh, had a fight with the Imperium and the Allies. Uh, obviously, the Imperium and Allies, Wrecking Crew, some of those people are moving into the Feth area, um, and so there seems to have been a Another battle in uh, RIT TAC A7. Um, looks like there was uh, about 29 billion ISK loss in the in the fight, about 250 pilots. So that's a, an interesting location. It is kind of deep in the south uh, region of Null, and in essence um, has more or less we've Pappy. Uh, I say weak because I'm on on the Pappy side, but in essence those people and more or less have moved out. So there was a very clear decision. I don't know why or how, but it seems like there was a pretty good fight that went on um, today, earlier on. And so uh, maybe we can try and get some more details as to, is it a true counterattack? Is it a counteroffensive? Was it just a good fight? Uh, we'll try and find out some more information on that. But Yeah, this appears to be part of the Imperium and Allies strategy to, while fighting the direct Pappy like uh marauder burning everything crowd uh, directly is not where they're going with it they do have their secondary teams running ramp shot over any of pappy's allies or softer targets or you know uh revenue areas or anything like that so for sure. i believe this Absolutely. is part for of sure. that effort to just on maxi- the imperium side for sure yep to yep. maximize that damage uh, what's interesting is the counteroffensive and the amount number number of ships that the the Pappy side the uh, the, the that side massed and counter and had a counter fight right as opposed to just 
you know, the doors open. Uh, we were, my alliance was in fest and honestly, we were moving one day and out we went and there was no defense fleets anymore. And they just, the structures were just there. We tried to take what we could out of there, but a lot of it just, yeah, it was so, just, we basically wrote it off. What was the objective of this fight? Uh, a writ A7, um, in terms of it, the objective. Was it a Sov fight or was it Sov wanding or like? Yeah, I'm not sure actually. I'm trying to find hmm. that out. Let me, give me a second here. Yeah. Knowing the results of it would be interesting. Um, in addition to this, there was two Keepstars killed today. The second Keepstar timer, a Rokwal was docked in the Keepstar and attempted to pick up the core and fit it and fit before the attackers uh, would be able to do so. I'm guessing by the fact that this news report says attempted, it didn't go well. Um, but yeah, more Keepstars are dying. And so is everything else. In HoboLeaks news, uh, we did get a small update in HoboLeaks, and it reveals a little bit more about some sort of future event, probably the next thing that's going to happen. This doesn't look like it's going to be one of the events like the Easter event or something that we would expect. This is closer to a lore event. Uh, the main focuses that I've seen so far is Rogue Drones, Templus Dragonars, and Edencom. Uh, there's a lot of rogue drone structures and facilities. It looks like the rogue drones are going to be the primary element in this fight. But interestingly enough, the uh, the Kaldari ships are registered and said to be part of the Templist Dragonars, which are the terrorist organization that were um, you know have popped in and out of Kaldari history. Most recently, they were the ones that were working with Sancha during the Dragonar Blitz event, exact or uh, last not last January, but January uh, a year ago January. Um, and so it, whatever the next like beat is going to be, the fact that the Templist Dragonars are involved may relate to that, if that makes sense. Because otherwise we don't know much about what they've been up to since Typhus Heth got taken out of power. The final piece, though, is uh, there is a couple of things. There's an Edencom Gunstar there's a, that was added, which is sort of odd because there's literally already an Edencom Gunstar. So that implies to me that this might be like a, a copy over that they're going to change in some way, like to a different template. But the one right after it is named Edencom Station. And there's no other uh, descriptions or anything else to that. So it would appear as if CCP is starting to put the pieces in place for the quote unquote next thing. So get hyped. But other than that, I don't have anything too uh, discreet, except for the one thing I will say is that the next. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit, or we can talk about this at the end, too. But the next Abyss PvP, not this week, but next week, is going to be Navy Frigates. So, Ooh, fun. Um, I did, just going back, winding up a little bit on that uh, RIT TAC A7. Yes. Uh, it looks like it was either over SOV or a station, most likely SOV. It looks like the the IA hub was reinforced, but it's still under uh, NVIDIA Glory Comes, and they've held that SOV since 2018. So my guess is, uh, without just kind of reading the tea leaves here, that that was probably an attempt at uh, some sort of solve warfare, either a station or the IHUB or TCU or something was, was going on there. So, Well, either way, it looks like the attackers took a pretty darn big toll out of the, uh, the defenders, and it, maybe they didn't even, or they also took the objective. So, Yep. Looks yep. like a victory for like them. Exactly. All right. I think that's it for so, news. We, I think we so. Transition. Absolutely. I think our guest has patiently been waiting. A bunch of people in channel are like, "Who's the guy with the mustache?" <laughs> well, let's find out, shall we? 
so on the show tonight, um, I think, so we've got to give a little shout out to uh, Trash Talk Tuesday, to Redline. He, uh, after one of the Trash Talk Tuesdays, was like, hey, we're going to raid this guy. And yes. uh, he, we raided him, uh, this, uh, this person here, Gory Zander. And I think it was like day two or day three or something. Yeah, day two. Day two, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, uh, I'd like to say that we scrubbed the Eve universe for a real live new player, but he kind of just fell in our laps here. And so uh, <laughs> I've been watching his streams and I thought, hey, you know what? Uh, let's have him on the show and talk about a real new player experience from a brand new player. So, uh, Gory, you want to introduce yourself, give us a little background, yeah. and then we'll just kind of start firing some questions at you. Maybe tell us a little bit about what kind of games you played before and then what brought you to Eve, how you got started, and you know, some general impressions. Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm uh, Gory Zander. I stream really regularly. I just recently started playing Eve. I think I'm on my 11th day now, or yesterday was my 11th day, so I'm you know fresh out of the fresh out of the waters in, in terms of Eve and uh, still very much so, you know, finding my feet in this game. Um, I, I don't know. I've, uh, for the most part, as far as like my stream goes, I've done that for a few years and uh, off and on. And I think that uh, I've just been trying to find out what I, what, what, like what I actually want to do. And now that I can't stop playing Eve, I, I think I'm kind of stuck here. So you guys are stuck with me. Yeah, what games were you playing before? Um, I was playing anything from like, uh, you know, first person shooters. You have your common ones like Call of Duty. I have um, a lot of Overwatch under my belt, a lot of StarCraft and World of Warcraft. Um, beyond that, I just kind of play whatever is like whatever I'm feeling at the time. Um, like anything from Elder Scrolls Online to, I don't know, um, Hollow Knight, really. <laughs> well, now you play Eve. Now you, and, yeah, now you have graduated. Congratulations. You found, you found <laughs> the real game. No, uh, yeah. but, but that is actually an interesting question because one of the things that I talk about or I think about a lot and I talk to people about a lot is just the difference between the experience of streaming Eve versus any other gamer. So, mm. you know, anytime I talk to somebody who comes from a different or any other game, anytime I talk from somebody who comes from a different environment that then comes to be an Eve streamer, uh, what what was your biggest like impressions? What sort of feelings did you get? What was your biggest takeaways about that transition? I'm sure you, you've transitioned between a lot of different games. You try out a lot of different games. Was the transition to Eve different than anything else? How how did that come out? Um, aside from the immediate support uh, from the community, like like I said, day two I got raided with quite a large raid, but I uh, I've had nothing but good support from the community. A lot of other times, like, especially coming from like world of Warcraft or, um, even like dark souls, which was a game I streamed quite a lot of. I, um, I always found the community to be somewhat toxic or had a lot of toxic tendencies. Whereas here, um, yeah, <laughs> on day three, I think because of Redline and his raid and several, uh, very, very kind viewers, I had like 4 billion isk <laughs> and was like set up with, Omega, and I didn't even know what to do with myself. So, I, um, the support from this community has blown me away, and uh, really outdoes any other streaming community that I've been a part of. Yeah. Have well, you run uh, into any particular challenges about streaming Eve versus other games? Um, as far as streaming, no. Uh, well, okay, let me rephrase that. Uh, 
I have never before felt scared to stream a game. <laughs> like this game, I feel like I get hunted down or I could be hunted down rather. And a couple times it's been made obvious that that is possible in that I've like, I finished an abyssal uh, yesterday or the day before. And uh, one of my viewers warped in right as I came out just to kind of like say, Hey, I know where you are. And then yesterday um, I unfortunately died in abyssal and someone paid the difference that was my ship, which was super kind, but they said I was going to pay for your ship anyway, because I was going to kill you when you came out of the abyssal. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stream snipers is what they're called. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That is one of the things that like, again, I've been kind of musing about this a lot recently. Um, the, the Eve Twitch experience is different than other games because, you know, other games try to find gimmicky ways for you to maybe interact with the streamer in in the game mm -hmm. in some way in eve it's impossible not to the act of watching a streamer play eve is playing eve because we're in the same universe yeah. we're having the same experience and any one of your viewers can at any time decide that they want to become a more direct component of your stream and i think that that gives <laughs> an intimacy and a and a, it's it's like the it's in a weird way the perfect game for twitch but also the worst game for twitch for the same reason yeah. <laughs> So, so I just want to back up to how the hell did you get into Eve? Like, did you just wake up one morning and be like, I want to try the world's greatest game or did the friend, <laughs> nice. you know, did the friend invite you or what? How did uh, like, well, so I had been interested in Eve in a long time. Um, my first introduction was actually seeing it in the, like my local news. Well, at the time I was living in Los Angeles. So the, um, the, the Los Angeles news was doing a piece on, a massive battle that was going on with like you know thousands tens of thousands of players and i was like man this game sounds insane like that there's no way that a server could handle that let alone a game could have players that could you know come to that scale the closest thing i could think of is like you know first um uh, like the first big raid in world of warcraft like that's the closest thought that i have to that kind of community gathering and when it came to uh, trying to experience that i was like you know what like that's actually really intimidating so i'm not i'm not super interested in trying because it's a bit much for me um at the time because i wasn't really dedicated to playing a whole lot of games and then my wife actually started watching a streamer um which i unfortunately <laughs> forgotten which one um uh but she was watching a streamer uh two weeks ago and i was like you know what eve actually looks like a lot of fun and so i um I thought I'd download it and launch it and see see if I enjoyed it as well. And uh, like I said, I've not been able to stop playing. If I'm not streaming it and working, I'm I'm playing Eve. <laughs> so those first few days, so give just kind of your own impression. You launch Eve, you start out the character creation screen. Hmm. Can you can you remember what you felt, or can you give us any feedback? You know, we always yeah. talk about the new bro experience and we always, cause people make alts and stuff and we go through it and we're like, hey, this is clearly what they must be thinking. <laughs> but could you help us give us some insight into really what the hell you were thinking? Yeah. Well, with the, with the first like initial steps, um, I was looking at, um, like the character selection, you, you have your different factions to start with or races, I suppose. Um, and like, I was reading through them and of course, kind of being like, Mimi streamer i was like oh like i'm gonna be part of the big corporation you know government kind of thing that you know the caldari sound really intriguing because they're all you know all corporation all the time and 
so I ended up siding with the with the Caldari to start with, and like I thought, oh man, this is gonna have like a big impact. And then I was like, oh, I get to pick what kind of Caldari I am, uh, thinking that again that would have a big big impact. And then you start off with this tutorial, which I thought was kind of boring actually the the tutorial was a little uh a little boring i felt like i had to um try to keep myself engaged so i kind of at that point was a little worried but then um once i got through the tutorial i was like okay so they kind of just threw me out here they didn't really tell me anything <laughs> but uh, from that i realized that my starting choice actually didn't really matter because i can go anywhere and i could be like any faction ships i had you know, I had an open world sandbox on my hands that I wasn't told anything about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's a problem that I've heard a lot, which is the the idea that like the very first decisions that you're asked to make in Eve, you then turn around and, and learn that none of them mattered, which mm. teaches the new player that their decisions don't matter. And it 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 actually isn't the right necessarily the right lesson to teach. But at the same time, yeah. when, whenever CCP has tried to move that racial selection process later in, in not the you know not do the avatar first, that apparently also seriously hurts retention. You want to build your character before you get introduced to your spaceship. Hmm. But it's yeah. also worth noting that the MPE changes a lot, right? So chances are you actually experience an MPC, MPE that none of us actually have. So not just what did it feel like, but like mechanically, what were the first few beats? How did it, how does the, once you've made your character, like what did the new, what was the new player experience for you? Like actually the experience itself. Um, I, I don't know. I suppose, uh, it's, <laughs> it's a little hard to say other than, um, like coming, coming out of the tutorial. I think that the biggest thing was trying to decide or rather figure out what to do next to the point of like, I don't even know how to use the UI. Um, right. I was looking at, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll click on the agents to figure out what to do. And I clicked on the agents and I was like, sweet, that didn't actually tell me what to do. So um, then I'm, uh, I, I think that the biggest part of the the new player experience for me was getting over that initial bit of confusion. And then with that, uh, again, I can thank the community a lot because even without the raid, I had people coming into my stream basically saying like, hey, um, if you're trying to do, more tutorial content or at least something that's close to tutorial content do the career agents and that like pointed me in the direction of okay so this is how i'm going to get started um and then following through with those it, it did it, it taught me more but again it's all kind of uh it's it's self-inferred what you learn i think that it's not actually told in the game properly right so when you very first came in though was there any ui at all uh, no. So right. when you first come in, it's completely empty. Yeah, and then, that's the case. And then it exposes you to the elements one at a time, right? Yeah. Was that boring? Tries- to, what was that? What, how did that play out to you? That's that's actually the part that I'm very curious about because that's one of the things that has changed the most recently. Right, and I think that that could be part of it that I did find um, boring or at least not engaging was that it was like, okay, here's this one item, and now you know how to do this one item, and let me talk to you in my plain robot voice that this is another item that you can do. And, I, and in, in being told in such like a stale way that these are interface items, I was like, okay, this is, this is unengaging, uh, at best. And then I realized that, um, you know, there's like towards the end of the tutorial, you're kind of like, okay, there is more, um, there's more to do in the game than initially was like, let, let out because they didn't 
show you much. And then by the end of the tutorial, you think like, yeah, I can, I can play this game. And, and, and then you can't. <laughs> that, that's very interesting. So the problem that happened before, just so we're all on the same page, Context, yeah. was that before it was like, now just use the overview to do this. And you're like, what the hell's an overview? And like yeah, all a, of the UI of, is there. There's a Here. screen of UI elements and they're like, the overview, and naturally somehow you're supposed to know, right? Simply exactly. open the Neocom and set a skill in training. What? Yeah. No, no, back up. I need about three more steps explained. Exactly. Yeah, so it, it's interesting because like, so boredom, but got through it understanding it versus overwhelmed. Yeah. Which one's better? Which one's worse? Um, uh, hard to say. It, yeah, that is hard to say. I think that the, the boredom aspect is the, it's bad that that's the first thing that people are introduced to. But it's good because it does show what's going on. However, they could—I don't know—they could try to make it a little bit more engaging. Um, I think in the beginning, just I think that the robot voice really does kind of put you off. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. The other, well, the thing is, is that boredom is 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 a context of like you have it under control, right? Like boredom is about your perspective perception of the thing. So somebody who yeah. is struggling to understand what's happening for whatever reason uh, more than you were. Uh, mm. may not be bored. All it takes is one slip of an information, and now you're overwhelmed because you have no idea what she's talking about. So it's right. it's definitely an uh, an interesting juggling act. So moving past the tutorial, though, mm. um, you got into career agents. How did the career agents go? Um, I uh, well, so I first started with the industrial career agent, trying to uh, think about mining because. The idea uh, that I kind of had going into it with the limited knowledge that I had of the game, I was like, you know, what? I want to build, I want to build, and I want to gather, and like that's that's what my intention was in the game, not realizing the scale <laughs> of the game, and so I, I was just, I don't know, I, that that was my my first thought process. So industry seemed like the right career agent to go with, and then um, going through that, they kind of give you a few different ships, they give you a little bit of information on how to do things, and then I was like, sweet, this is like this is easy days, and then I got to a point where i had to wait for a ship to build and i was like oh well i'll pick up the the business career agent as well do a little bit more on the side and then i found that really fun and then i did the combat agents which were you know combat which i act like actually love the combat in this game so i can't stop playing it and then um one thing that really tripped me up was i came back and did the um the exploration uh one and that gave very little information on how to actually scan and that was where i actually relied on my chat to tell me like hey this is the button that you actually need to push to scan properly <laughs> oh crap okay scanning is like i've always said like the problem is that it's hard to explain like ultimately it's done through video which actually ccp just recently put in tutorial videos for scanning um oh. let me get see real, real quick whether or not it's still as easily to access as i thought it would be i, th I believe yeah, so that they're in the agencies are you going? No, no, I was going to say, well, well, you're looking that up. Sorry, I guess you're going to give uh, some instructions on how to do it. Sorry, I misunder. No, 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 let me make sure it's even there. Do. So yeah, go yeah, ahead okay. and so cover I'll, for I'll me. So, so that actually, so at what point did you go out of the game and Google something? When was, when was the first time you Googled, how the F do I do blah EVE Online? So uh, as far as being a streamer and playing this game, um, I haven't really had to. I think that's that's a really big part of streaming this game as opposed to playing it casually. Uh, with the viewer support, I have had 
I've basically had an encyclopedia in my chat every Live time Google. I stream. Live Google, yeah. yeah, absolutely. But if I didn't have if I didn't have chat to help me through things, I would have probably been googling things uh, during my first career agent, like trying to figure out interface or honestly what the like commands were because they didn't really make it obvious the options that you had in the way of controlling things like um you have your hotkeys like your control click your um your w click for you know uh, whatever you're going to do if you're orbiting or, or approaching or um, targeting i was right clicking everything and selecting things which arguably took a little bit longer but it was the only way i knew how to do things and then someone was like you know there's a radio menu if you hold left click and it blew my mind <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So someone in the audience basically said, yeah, it's a great sign by uh, Remymain. Re, Re he outsourced Google to chat. <laughs> I thought that's a great line. Exactly what you did. All right, so Ash, uh, what did you find? Uh, I found that I couldn't find it, so that's interesting. <laughs> okay. No, they, they, they put them, they put it, they replaced the tutorial with it for like one patch, and now it's gone again. So maybe they, it, they're going to bring it back with, because it just said videos, but the only videos were, were scanning, so it could have been that they aren't quite done with that section yet and they'll reveal it like in a, right. a month or two but either way or they'll never come back to it again but uh either way scanning's better to be learned from videos for sure um i did so what's oh go ahead then uh we did have a question that i wanted to i i had a question about the career agents because it didn't sound to you that you would have described the career agents as boring then is that correct uh for the most part that that is correct i think that it's because um you knew the reward i think um so going into the career agents you when you're accepting their missions they immediately tell you what you're going to gain from it but beyond that uh i felt like there was a lot more interaction because i had the full ui as well as still wasn't 100 percent sure on how to do things so a lot of things were me trying to be intuitive or try to find the the easiest way to do things and because it was more given to me for the power um like the power of doing things it uh it definitely wasn't as boring uh, i could however i know it's stepping a little bit further forward but i did the sisters of uh eve quest while i was doing the career agents and there's a lot of fetch quests in that which i did actually find kind of monotonous in which one sorry the sisters um, of eve oh yeah. uh the sisters of eve epic arc yeah yes. the, yeah the, you called it a fetch quest. That's an interesting, yeah. It's, go, it's, go gather something and take it somewhere. Crap. Well, it's a yeah. lot of traveling around. Uh, the the Sisters of Eve Epic Arc is really designed to be kind of the grand tour tour of the cluster. It's designed to send you mm -hmm. to each of the empires, get you to know each of them as you uh, learn about like the road drones and all that kind of stuff. But it it's somewhat successful. But what's interesting here is is that like this does really showcase the, both the good thing about why new players that stream eve end up being more successful than just your average new players but also one of the bigger problems with eve's new player experience which is that you were successful because you didn't have to know even what to ask or anything there is other people watching you and they knew what you were missing and yes. so they prompted you with information you didn't go how do i do this i don't know i bet you anything they were prompting you with things that you didn't even realize you didn't know to ask about it they're feeding yeah. you information. So what if somebody wasn't being fed that information? It, it wouldn't. I would say if you're not being fed that information. Um, so for instance, my, uh, my wife had actually started playing a couple days after me. And from what I understand from talking to her, she's actually 
watch my stream and watch my VODs to kind of pick up where I was just to figure out how to play the game. And then she'll often come to me and ask questions about, you know, how something's done. And like, it's weird because I'm able to answer them with confidence, uh, not because I, you know, Googled it, but because I had chat to tell me and then experimented myself. Whereas if you didn't have that, if you didn't have that chat aspect, you would have, uh, you'd have a lot of Googling and not finding the right answers. Because if you look at something like Eve University, it's very, very informative. But a lot of times it's too informative. Um, I like the okay. So that was one thing that I have looked at is my MOA. When I was trying to fire the turrets, I missed a lot. So I just Googled turrets, like Eve turrets, and I came across like full calculus equations on how to fire your turrets. And I was like, I just want to shoot. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to make myself shoot. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that is one of the, uh, I, I often wish that Eve was a more learnable game through gameplay. Um, but yeah, so, and somebody's pointing out that this is why people need corps and yes, corporations with players are very good because they give you directions, but that's still not the same as having people watching your stream. Because again, he doesn't know to ask your, and this is to those people who, who have corps that are helping out new players, keep this in mind. Your new players don't know what to ask. They don't know what's wrong. They don't even Absolutely. know what their mistakes were. They don't even know what's going on. And at the same time, you also don't want to tell them what they have to do. This is why, like, in our Discord, if there's any problems, the first thing we do is, can you stream it? Because there's <laughs> no nothing quite 